No, I don't want you to mute, Samantha. I want to hear all the things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. Uh, I'm Jenna Gizar, and I'm so glad that you're joining us here today. Um, as you trickle in, please share where you are tuning in from. I am over here in Tempe, Arizona, and just so glad to be here. Uh, with some fellow Blessed Is She writers, some fellow Blessed Is She beauties. Thank you, ladies, for being here. We're so excited. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get to you guys introducing ourselves, but I'll just share a little bit about uh, Blessed Is She if you happen to be new. Um, Blessed Is She is a women's ministry and community that is uh, devoted and on mission for a couple of things, which are prayer and community. And so that's what we're here to do today. Uh, we just celebrated six years of Blessed Ship existence, which is insane and mind-blowing. Um, that was at the beginning of September, and it's just reminded me so much of the beauty of our mission here at Blessed Ship is to really dig in with each other and be in relationship with each other. And I know that, you know, in the craziness of the past year of 2020, um, social media is nuts and there's a lot happening and there's a lot of pain happening. And uh, so we're just here to talk about that. And we want to model and invite you to do this with your friends, with your small group, um, even just over coffee or, or a meal or on a Zoom call, just like this, um, to just really dig in with each other, pray with each other and talk with each other. So we are so, so happy you're here. And uh, I'll pass it off to you guys to introduce yourselves, if that's okay. Samantha, could we start with you? Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Samantha. Um, I live in the Bay Area. Currently, it is gross and smoky outside and a little less orange, thankfully. But um, I've been in the Bay Area about 10 years, wow. 10 years, but I grew up in Southern California. Uh, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, and I'm a public health dentist. And I... Um, Currently, I'm serving as the dental director of a public health dental clinic in the Fruitvale District of Oakland, California, which is a big um, immigrant community, and it's it's a vibrant Hispanic community, and there's a lot of need there, and I'm very honored to serve in that way. Thank you, Samantha. Sorry, I was trying to make sure our website was working, so I'm sorry you heard yourself. Um, okay, Maite, would you, could we pass it off to you? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Maite. I'm born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm married um, almost nine years in October. I have three little ones, a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and a one-year-old. I serve on our uh, Precana team at our home parish, and I'm just really happy to be here with all of you today. Thank you, Maite. We're so glad you're here. Uh, Kiki, can we pass it off to you, my friend? Of course. Okay, so my name is Kiki. I live in SoCal. And like Samantha said, it's pretty smoky here. I can actually smell, it smells like campfire. <laughs> I'm a daughter, a sister, a friend. Um, I'm also a speaker, a Catholic bilingual speaker and a self-worth and mindset coach with the women's school. And I'm just so joyful to be here with you guys. It feels like a party, honestly. I haven't had this much interaction, I think, in a long time. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, Liana, I'll pass it off to you if that's okay. All right. Hi, I'm Liana. Um, I was born and raised um, in Arizona, and I am married to my high school sweetheart, and we have six little ones. Thank you, Liana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rocio, we'll pass it off to you, my friend. 
Awesome. Hello, my name is Rocio. Uh, just a warning, you might hear stuff in the background because they're fixing our wooden floors. They're getting waxed. Uh, I'm living with my parents, uh, but in three weeks, I'm getting married. So that's really exciting. Um, <laughs> and let's see what else. I'm Dominican, born in the Dominican Republic, moved here when I was four with my family. So I've been a Jersey girl ever since. Uh, I had the privilege of living in Ethiopia as a missionary for two years, and I still miss it, loved it so much. And I'm a student um, with the Augustine Institute for a master's in theology at the moment, online, thankfully, online. <laughs> so much happening with everyone. It's crazy. So, so yeah. glad you guys are here. Thank you for taking the time to be with me and to pray together. Um, with that, let's, let's get started in prayer if that's okay. Um, and then, uh, I will read some from our little, we have a little PDF on our website, um, that we called pray and talk about it. And it's just invites us to read some scripture, uh, about like injustice and suffering. And, um, so we're really going to hone in on that in terms of, especially just talking about racism, racial reconciliation in our own communities, families, church, um, country, and lean into that and into God's heart and how he wants to move in each one of our hearts. Um, because we really do believe that change begins within each one of us and ripples out into our families and communities. Um, so we'll get started in prayer. And then um, I will read one of our scriptures from that pray and talk about it PDF is Psalm 42. So I'm just going to read uh, Psalm 42, invite you guys to share a takeaway from that. And then we also have conversation starters that uh, you are free to use, sweet listener, and you'll see us use today as well. Um, again, we just want to model um, having conversations, digging in with each other and being with each other. So we're going to do that. So let's get started. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we praise you and we thank you. You're such a good God even in all suffering, Father, we know that you are good. Even in all confusion, God, all questioning, any doubt, Lord, we know that you are good. Lord, we know that you are here in the midst of suffering. You are so close. Thank you, Father, for bringing each one of us together today. Um, for those listening later, thank you so much for her, for the gift that she is. Lord, I ask that you would light a fire inside of each one of our hearts. God, stir up your Holy Spirit, that we would be your daughters on mission to love and to serve you and your people. We ask all these things in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Amazing. Um, I should have flipped to Psalm 42, but I should get there fairly quickly. Uh, so I'm just going to read it. Um, you guys can follow along in your own Bibles as well. Uh, for you, again, listening, you could just read this aloud, and then each person could just kind of listen for something that perks their ears. 
stirs up in their heart. And then we'll each just share uh, what that is, kind of like a takeaway um, or how that pertains to our lives or what's happening in our country and communities right now. Okay, this is Psalm 42. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me continually, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went with the throng and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep at the thunder of your cataracts. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully because the enemy oppresses me? As with a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me continually, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. Does anyone want to get started with their initial thoughts? Yeah. Hi, guys. Samantha here again. Um, it reminds me a lot of when I have a conversation with myself. Um, it's like those kind of those dueling realities in your own psyche and your prayer life where you, on the one hand, have this beloved, confident daughter of God who's who knows that I am beloved by the father and he's always there for me. And then that other side of me is like, well, things suck right now. Everything's hard. I feel abandoned. And there's this conversation, this dueling, um, this duel in my heart. And I always hope it's the beloved daughter of God voice that wins. Um, but sometimes, you know, it can get pretty contentious in my own heart. And I question myself or I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, God loves you, but he totally forgot about this. Um, but one line that really stood out to me was, um, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I remember you. It's, it's, almost, it, it's almost like that constant deep knowledge within me still, even when I doubt it, it's when things are the hardest, that's when I need to turn to God the most in all aspects of my life. Um, and that he is always there for me. And I am always a beloved daughter of God, regardless of what everyone else is saying about me or what I'm saying about myself. Um, I need to remember that. That's going to be a, a good a journal entry. <laughs> what about you guys? 
Yeah, I I love I love all of that insight. Thank you so much for sharing, Samantha. I think for me, um, I use this I use this um for like before I go to confession, um, and it seems to always wake up when I read wake my my soul up. I mean, when I read the first paragraph, it just like wrecks me. I don't know what it is about like envisioning a deer. <laughs> longing for water for streams of water and my soul feels like that like like Jesus Christ like for as much as I want to say I am good like Lord I'm never good without you you know and 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 just like the um the vision of like the water like as the deer longs for streams of water and then it goes to my my tears have been my bread day and night like okay like maybe sometimes I don't get that quench like my thirst doesn't get quenched from uh things of this world or my relationships or even my interior life and the Lord in some ways with a longing that he puts in my soul um and the tears that flow down my face like he nourishes that relationship with him and it turns back my longings directed toward heaven and I just it's just like such a, a feedback mechanism that I feel like Jesus like just knew like my humans need these um but gosh and it aches like it's like an ache that makes me want to like scream sometimes like ah oh, lord like sometimes this longing seems like overbearing you know um in the best of ways but it's like can my little human soul like really possess all of this um what do I do with it lord and and I think that's why he's given us the gift of tears and it just makes me think about like I'm so sensitive I cry all the time but um I used to see it as like a bad thing and now I see it as like a gift of God and in, in some ways he he is communicating to me um how he is moving my soul from the inside so that's what I took away I'm a crier too. I totally get it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, just picking back on what Kiki said. Hi, Maita here. Um, what resonated for me um, was the hope in my God. And um, hope is said twice here. Um, my hope in my God and my help in my God. And I think sometimes like, like you were mentioning, Samantha, this dualism where we feel like defeated and then we're like, I love you, Jesus. And like this constant like struggle of I love you. I'm so excited. I can't wait to proclaim you from the rooftops and hashtag it up for you. But then this like oppression from the enemy that's like, you're no one. Silence yourself. You have nothing to say. You're just like everybody else. And then you're just like totally broken in that moment, trying to discern the voice of God and, and trying to weed out the enemy. And, and then you're just in this thought process. And then you remember for a minute, hope that the gift of hope is what keeps us going. Like the hope is, is, is that stream that Kiki was talking about. Hope leads us to him. And it's like, when that hope is broken, how do we begin to build? But I think that's what's so wonderful about having a community of sisters, a community where you can share your faith so openly is when you have women who are willing to be vulnerable with you, you won't be left without hope. And I hope all of you have that um, in this community, we strive to do that. And um, I think when we, are, when we have hope and people are restoring us in that hope, we can't help but keep going, but keep fighting together. So um, that's what I took away from this. So thank you, Maite. Um, for me, the two words that kept sticking out uh, during the psalm 
was I remember. And then when the psalmist questions, why have you forgotten me? So that again, back to what Samantha was saying, kind of a dual thing going on, but remembrance and forgetfulness. And so I'm one, like I need to have everything on my calendar. I need to have a million alarms and things like that, or things will just not get done. And, um, and then I'm just stressed, right. Remembering all the things I have to do. So I like have to get it down, but, um, I just wish I had that kind of, um, a memory or a discipline with remembering everything that God has done. And so I think that's what's going on in in the Psalm that in this, in this moment where like he was saying, my, my bread, my food are my tears, you know, like when we're in those seasons of we're in the thick of it, right. Whether it's personally, whether it's family wise, whether it's as a larger community in the church, whether it's like what we're going through now in our country, um, where things are just coming up and, and there's a lot, right. And, and it feels like tears is, is what's coming, right. All the sorrow and, and all the mourning. And, and yet how do we allow the Holy spirit to be our memory and, and remind us of like all of the goodness of the father, everything that he's done in my own personal life, in my family's life, in the church's life, in the, in the life of this country. Um, because what, what we do find is that in the midst of the oppression, in the midst of the suffering, there, there are like little remnants, right? Like the, the thread, the gold thread, the red thread, whichever color you'd like to choose, is still there, right? And so um, this psalm was, was a reminder for me of um, asking the Holy Spirit for that grace of, of remembrance when I feel forgotten and, and to understand that that's not the reality. That might be how I feel. That might be how um we might feel as a as a certain group of people um in our church or in our in our world um but to remember that god remembers us and that at the end of the day like as you know cheesy as that might be that's the most amazing thing that even if i'm forgotten by you know these political figures or you know so and so and so and so that god remembers me that god knows my name that god knows my family's name that god remembers each and every single prayer i've ever prayed that i don't even remember and I think that that's just a, a, a consolation um, and a reality that, that we need to remind each other of and, and ourselves. So powerful. Thank you for sharing that, Rocio. I, um, whenever I hear anything in scripture about streams of water, I, my heart always goes to just Christ's abundant mercy and in this particular psalm, I just, it, it just feels like this lament of a people so hungry for the mercy of Christ to just flow through us and flow outward. And this, this ache to grasp that and to know, to know that it's, to know that it's real, to know that he's here with us, to know that he's in all these difficulties and in all this suffering and that his mercy covers that. And I just, when I hear that Psalm, I just hear just a people just pouring forth this loud lament, asking the Lord, like, you know, almost asking him, is this enough? Like, is your, um, can, can your mercy cover this? Can, can your love for us cover this? And, um, I say yes. 
I was just sharing with a friend yesterday, just like a lack of hope um, that I have at times, just even about personal things, but on a larger scale, I think it's so, it can feel so defeating and there can be a loss of hope. Um, and I, I almost think we don't recognize it until we say it out loud. And when I said it out loud to her, she just reminded me, like she said, there is hope. Each one of us is made in the image of God. And like, I don't know, it was just such like a truth bomb in my head of like, oh my gosh, each one of us has such capacity and depth and ability to love God, to have our hearts transformed, to be changed by him simply because we're made in his image. Where I think at times I can just lose sight of that and think like, there's no hope for uh, reconciliation or there's no hope for um, the Lord to really change me or to change someone else. But no, there is, there's always hope in that. Um, I don't know, I just, I think I've just been really at a loss of hope, but again, not even realizing it until I said it out loud, um, which I just think is the gift of bringing things to light, you know, and being able to say it and someone say, like, I, I hear you and I'm in it and I feel you and I have all those same, same thoughts, but there is hope. Um, yeah. So thank you all for sharing that. Anything else before we uh, move on to a question? Um, Jenna, that really reminds me that feeling I sometimes get of that hopelessness yeah. of, you know, you, you turn on the news and you're just inundated with just tragedy after tragedy and it just breaks your heart and you feel so helpless. I mean, you feel like I can't even figure out how to manage my own family and the, all the interpersonal relationships there, let alone my community, let alone this country. And it's just utterly hopeless. But then when you remember and you actually see that that hopelessness aligns you with that, that suffering of Christ and that he sees us and he, as much as we suffer, he infinitely more suffers and is in anguish over what's happening. You, you do feel less alone in that. And it's, it's not like you're saying, oh, I'm the only one who cares about this clearly because he cares about it abundantly more and infinitely more. And so, and I just think of how Jesus weeps and his mother weeps about what's going on in this country and what's going on in the world and all these tragedies. And it's like, I'm not alone in this suffering. This really sucks. And I'm really, really sad all the time, but thank God I have the ultimate comforter of the Holy spirit who understands that suffering and it, infinitely more feels it so as much as I'm feeling it I mean I can only you can only imagine how much more um love personified feels that yeah. so there is hope in that when everything sucks at least we're not alone yeah <laughs> totally <laughs> and I think um just to add one more layer to that like 
if anything, this season has taught me and I, and I hope sisters that it has taught you guys or somehow you have felt it in the movements of your heart, like this breaking of, of the bread in some ways, like in your heart though, of like the body of Christ, you know, in some ways hurting has, um, has created in me like this, this larger and more vast receptivity for like human suffering, this, this sensitivity toward the other. And I think that in the midst of everything, that has been an amazing gift uh, that I praise God for because it's allowed me to become more human, you know, and it's allowed me to not turn the other cheek and actually look at my brother or sister in the eyes when he or she says like, I'm hurting, yeah. you know? Yeah, seeing. Okay. Um, I'm going to move on to, uh, again, the second part of our little pray and talk about it um, PDF. It's just some conversation starters. So I'll ask a question and you guys just go ahead and start sharing um, and we'll just have a conversation. Um, okay. This first one is, when have you felt truly seen and heard in a conversation? What did that experience teach you about listening and responding to another person, especially someone in pain? Um, I can start uh, because I immediately um, remembered, so the Sisters of Life, which maybe some of you know the Sisters of Life or have heard about them. Uh, but one thing that if, if you've ever had a conversation with them, one thing that the sisters are known for is just, they have this immense gift of just, you are the only person in the room. There could be a hundred other people, but if they're talking to you, they're talking to you. Like you're the only one that matters. They're not like looking over here, distracted, like, oh, honed in, you are everything in that moment and it's happened to me multiple times and I just remember really being struck by it because I you know and I think as women at least for me I could be very distracted or just very over aware of what everybody needs all at the same time so you know I'm trying to have a conversation with you and then it's like oh I can hear something going on over here let me get okay everything's good over there let me look over there and so, you know, this happens when you go to a party, right? And, or you're the host of a party, things like this. But I remember just having such uh, an awareness that I was being heard, that sister saw me, that, that she, yeah, that she was giving to me the gift of, of really listening and, and, and allowing me to know that I mattered enough for her to give me all of her attention. Um, and it taught me a lot about, you know, just a simple technique of, of really trying my hardest when I'm listening to people, when, when someone's opening up their heart to me, you know, I'm not picking up my phone and looking at my phone. I'm not, you know, trying to check out the, the surroundings. I'm just trying to hone in on you and like what you're saying so that you feel safe to speak and that I actually care. And that was something that, that I've learned from the sisters. And I think that especially when it comes to, to a topic of pain, when, you know, we're opening up to someone about suffering or when someone else is opening up to us about suffering, 
really actually making eye contact, even like Kiki, you were saying, you know, not turning away. It's so easy to turn away or, you know, you feel vulnerable when you make eye contact. There's studies about it, you know, like you could stare at somebody for minutes and like fall in love apparently, because there's just something about, you know, that eye contact and that steadiness in your gaze and, and just feeling known and received at the same time. So I would say that that was um, one particular instance that, that I felt most, um, like welcomed and, and listened to. And that taught me so much about the art of listening and the art of being present to another from the sisters of life. So powerful. I love it. Um, I love the sisters of life. So I have a little story. Um, I actually, my first year with the Culture Project, so for all those who don't know, I was a speaker with the Culture Project um, for two years. And my first year was um, pretty like a shock to me. And, and, I'll say, and I'll say why, and I think it is very pertinent to like what we're talking about today with like the climate of things and whatnot. Um, I think having grown up in Southeast LA with predominantly a Hispanic, um, you know, community and people of color, um, I think too with like my family um, always kind of like wiring in me that somehow uh, we had to prove ourselves, you know, we had to always prove ourselves in in anglo like kind of um like climate you know and uh and somehow being brown <laughs> or any color um was not that it wasn't desirable but it was always like scrutinized and um and so i took all of that like and i think i'm still like kind of rewiring all of that but in my first year with the culture project um having it be a mission who's still i think in the pursuit of amplifying and making more space for, um, you know, different voices and different stories. I think the first year, I think I felt it even more. And I was kind of just taking in all of our fall training where we form, you know, form ourselves as speakers and whatnot, just sitting there in the seminary in the cafeteria with all of my fellow missionaries and having this feeling of like, it's surreal. Like, am I really here? Like, do I deserve this? Like, does my voice matter? Does anybody notice me? Um, do I fit in? You know, I don't even know this, the, this show they're talking about. Like I know this show in Spanish, you know, so it's just like kind of having one foot in one world and one foot in another world um, and not feeling like I'm part of the world, you know? And I remember kind of voicing that a little bit to someone who was having dinner next to me, uh, my good friend, Angel. And, and he, as I was telling him, you know, I, I, I guess I don't feel very seen. Um, and not that you guys aren't doing that on purpose, but it's just kind of the response of my story. And he looked at me with like such tender eyes, talking about eyes again, right? And, and touched me. And God knows that physical touch is like one of my love languages. And just said to me very simply, like, I see you, Kiki. And I literally started crying, um, just like that phrase, you know? And and, it, and like the, the touching of my forearm, just, it kind of said to me like, my imago day sees your imago day and it just it just wrecked me inside and um in some ways like yes like the pain was still there but there was there was healing at the same time and it's like lord can this exist like simultaneously you know um such a mystery so that's that's i think one one time that i they truly felt seen
That is such a beautiful story. <laughs> I like want to come give you a hug, Kiki. Just have all the physical touch love. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'll probably just reference again what I just said earlier, which was just, it was a new friend too. It was like really rare, <laughs> this conversation that we just had yesterday. Um, and I think another kind of key thing that I think is really important and that I've tried to learn and, and uh, experience myself is um, to give people space. Um, I think so often we like want to kind of like make up for things by like talking a lot um, or like asking a question and like not waiting for an answer and just kind of like wanting to be like, oh, maybe you just let me just fill this space, you know? Um, and I think so often in my experience, it's been when someone asks a question and it's like, okay, I don't really want to answer that or I don't know how to answer that, but they gave me the space to figure it out. Like they sat there and they were silent and they waited. And I think that that was really beautiful for me to experience, um, to be able to have the freedom for someone to say like, you can process out loud. Like you don't have to have all the answers figured out in your head before you say them out loud. Um, like, I wanna hear it, let's, let's talk about it. I wanna know what's happening in your heart, in your mind, what are you thinking? Um, that's been really incredible for me in conversations to just be given the space. Um, and so it's something I've been really trying to cultivate in my own life in one-on-one -on -one conversations of just asking a question and like not wanting to, you know, just like that awkward silence, but in the awkward silence, there's vulnerability there. There's, there's a tension there that we need to lean into, I think, as brothers and sisters in Christ. I think part of our um, femininity is being fixers and uh, finding solutions. So I think sometimes like we can't help it that we want to fix it. Like we want a solution. Like if somebody comes to us with something we're like processing, like, okay, how can I fix this? I'm going to call this person, this person, I'm going to text them behind the scenes and see if they'll make that person feel better. Instead of, like you said, Jenna, just giving the space and, and listening and, um, I think there is, there's something just so um, beautiful about learning to be quiet. And I'm learning this because I'm a talker. I love to talk. I miss people. So I'm talking a lot now, even on the phone. And so I'm like, just listen. And so I have to tell myself <laughs> to be quiet. And I've really enjoyed the exercise of not getting to see people often, um, even though I miss people, but I'm learning how much I had been lacking in really listening. And for me, I'm a huge like extrovert. And so I'm to, to find this truth of myself to be like, Maita, you've not always listened is like, what do you mean I haven't always listened? Like, ah. And so it's hard to face these truths about yourself. So this, this, this pandemic, it sucks, Samantha, I agree. But then I'm like, oh, wow, like I haven't listened. And now all of these things are manifesting. And I think um, it's hard to have real conversations about things that you've hidden, even in places of your heart in hidden chambers that you didn't know um, you needed to talk about. Um, and, and even if you're a person that's self-aware, 
there's just some places that are just too painful. And, um, you know, you take it to Jesus before you can talk to someone about it, but you really do have to allow that healing to happen. Um, otherwise you're just continuing the cycle of oppression of that conversation that's in your heart, but maybe it's not meant to stay there. And for me, it's very hard because it's like, how do I talk about something that's very painful from my past? Can I trust this person with my past? Will I be judged? Will I still be loved? And so I take that to Jesus before I bring it to like a human being. Because um, again, Kiki, that imagio Deo, like if I'm creating his images and likeness, then yes, I'm going to go to another one of his creations and they'll reflect to me the love of the father um, with someone who's rooted and, and is firm and, and is outwardly loving in their faith, um, who you can feel comfortable with. And it's not like you call someone up and you're like, hey, I really want to talk about how I was prejudiced and, and was racially profiled when I was 15. Like, let's just talk about that. Like, you don't you don't call someone up to do that. And, and I don't even know how that happens organically. I'm still trying to figure it out myself, to be honest. Um, but I know like within our family, like, it's not like we're like, we're going to have a dinner. We're going to talk about all the ways we've been racially profiled in the last 15 years. Like that's not something you do, right? Like you carry it quietly and silently and you just learn to cope with it. But we're seeing that that has not worked up to this point. That is not, um, that's not normal. Um, that is not, um, something that we can do as human beings. Like we're emotional, rational beings. We need that, like, you know, physical touch, like Kiki was saying, we need people. We're not built as stones and thank God that we're not built as stones or robots. We are living, breathing, rational people. Um, and so how do you begin? How do you begin to repair? How do you begin to heal? Um, and like Jenna said, you find a space, you find yourself a good listener, and, and maybe sometimes you don't find someone who's trying to fix it because you can't go back to the past. We can move forward with what we've been through and we can try to heal those wounds together in a kind and compassionate way, um, a way that Jesus would, would tend to, to anyone who feels broken. Thank you so much, Maite. It's so funny that you said that your... Um you you've had you've been struggling with the listening and I am it's funny because I was thinking that I'm the opposite I have the trouble with the talking um, and not not in a way that says oh I'm a good listener and but it's I'm reserved and that's not always good either um I I mean kind of some background I'm a I am half Filipino. My dad's from the Philippines and my mom's Caucasian and growing up mixed race in a very predominantly white area um, was really, it, it was really hard. And I didn't always know how to articulate that growing up. Um, I didn't really understand what it meant to be mixed race and someone who came from different cultures and how my family handled things differently. Um, so I was very cautious and I was very, um, I was more reactionary. I never just put myself forward. It was always, whatever the situation is, who am I speaking to? And then I am going to be performative to that environment. So did I want to be more Caucasian passing or was I trying to be more Filipino? And I didn't really know what that meant at all to the 
where I never fit in in either ways. You see the pictures of my white side and it's just all these white, fair, redhead, blonde, and then me and my sister. And then on my dad's side, all these like five foot zero Filipinos and then me and my sister. Um, and it was, and I didn't really ever feel like I fit in. So I always waited for what the environment told me I should act like. Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to act? I never was able to say, hey, this is who I am in all of its messiness and my mixed raceness. And I'm just going to start talking. It was always, I'm going to listen and see mm-hmm. what these other people think first. And mm-hmm. then I will be informative to that. Mm-hmm. And I think over the years I've, in those situations that I felt most heard and most seen is when instead of trying to figure out what identity I should put forward, I first and foremost remember that I am a daughter of God. Mm-hmm. And those are the conversations that have been the most beautiful and fruitful when in all my messiness, like I think of these beautiful conversations I've had with my blessed is she sisters. And, you know, we're in our pajamas and we're just talking at a retreat or you meet some woman who's just sitting next to you and you just start talking and you're so vulnerable with each other right from the get go, Mm -hmm. because you're not thinking about performing. You're thinking about how do I share my heart as a daughter of God in a truly open and honest way. So they really get to know who I am without me feeling like I need to perform or trying to succumb to this ideal minority mindset that I feel like I need to perform to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a huge reconciliation to my own heart for my own racial recognition is mm-hmm. I am mixed race and that means something I don't always know what that means um, but it's okay that it's a mix and it's not any one particular identity I mean if anything I identify as a Southern Californian <laughs> that, that's my culture Valley Girl <laughs> but um, yeah it's I, I'm really trying to be more open and honest earlier in relationships instead of waiting to see how I should should act, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Which is really hard because it's like I could, it's like the confidence issue. I want people to like me, you know? It's like, am I who am I today? Am I super white girl or am I super Filipino? Which I'm neither because right. I'm neither. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, gosh, like vulnerability takes courage. And I was just listening to a short video of Father, Father Mike Schmidt's, like kind of differentiating like the difference between transparency and vulnerability. Um, and he gave us kind of this analogy of like, imagine yourself in a fishbowl. Being transparent is letting someone see through that fishbowl and being vulnerable is asking someone to come into that fishbowl. So girl, I'll learn how to swim for you. <laughs> I don't know how to swim, <laughs> but let's be in the fishbowl together. Right. <laughs> so beautiful. I love what you all are saying. Sorry, I had a cranky baby join me. So hopefully all the swaying isn't making you all dizzy as <laughs> I keep moving. Um, but speaking of processing things out loud, I was kind of, I was thinking of how the Lord listens to us. And I was thinking of just being in adoration in those times when I'm kind of just pouring out everything. Mm-hmm. And I've really been working on trying to listen to others in that way um, and just allowing them to, to pour out and not while they're speaking, thinking of how I'm going to say things to make them feel better. Um, 
And instead just holding that space Mm -hmm. for them to just pour out their suffering um, and not try to come up with some idea of how am I going to fix it or how am I going to make them feel like it's better than they really feel like it is. Because I just, I think of the peace I have those times when I just go into adoration and just let it out and it's just silent. But there's such peace when I leave that I was just able to pour out all my suffering like that. And Jesus just held it for me. And I really am working on trying to do that for others in the same way, because I know sometimes when I'm sharing and the person that I'm sharing with is, well, what about this? Or try this? Or have, you know, does this, and it's like, I just kind of want to just unleash everything that's held up in my heart right now. And I just, I just don't want you to have to fix it. Mm -hmm. I'm just unloading this burden (laughs) on you. And I just want you to hold it with me for a little bit in this space. And that's it. Yeah. I think sometimes too, um, we withhold because we look at the audience and we're like, they're not going to know what I've been through. Or then we take on that personification of judging, right? We look around and I'm like, okay, I'm the only Mexican person here. If I crack a joke about this, nobody's going to get it. So I'm just going to keep it to myself in one of those bubbles that comes out of my head. And then I'm like, ah, this stinks. I want to share my personality. I I don't want to keep this bubble in my head. I want to crack the joke. And then you're like, nope don't do it. Don't do it. They're not going to like you after this. And you're like, Oh, and it's so frustrating because you're Mexican and you're American and you get the American side and you love your Mexican side and all the mariachi all the time. But you're just like, Oh, but I don't do that side all the time. And you're like, well, you don't do this one all the time either. So Samantha, I get your conflict. I get where you're coming from. And for me, sometimes, honestly, I hold back because I'm like, I will be judged that my, my, my friends didn't grow up this way, or this person won't get it. Or, um, you know, it's just, it, just turn that part down, my tea, just turn it down. Okay. Nobody wants to hear that, that joke. And then I'm like, no, I'm going to leave me alone. Satan go away. I'm going to tell my joke. And then I tell my joke. And then it's like a release. You're like, Oh my gosh, after all that, it was like five seconds, but it feels like an eternity. And you have this conversation with yourself. And then finally you let it go. Cause who cares? Who cares? Let the bubbles come out of your head, be yourself, be, be who you are. Right. And people laugh. And then I'm like, oh, why was I holding back? Why was I holding back? Why do I hold back? Why do I feel inferior to be proud of my heritage and my culture and be in this country too? I love both. I don't ever feel like I have to choose both in my home. But when I go out of my home, I feel like I have to choose one or the other, depending on whom I'm with, depending on what I'm eating. And it just feels like you're always in this bubble of awareness of what the other person needs and you leave yourself last because you don't want to offend. You don't want to hurt and and everything that's ever happened to you. You don't want to project out onto anyone else, even if you've been, um, uh, you know, verbally abused through, through the culture or, you know, whatever it is you hold back. And I think for me, it's something that I just learned how to do. And then didn't know that I was doing, it's just a default. You're like, okay, I'm going to let them have their conversation. I'm going to let them talk about, you know, all the things that they do. And, you know, I'm not going to talk about 
you know, how our family barbecues, that might be too real, or it might be too much, you know, and so you withhold. And then you're like, gosh, but they're not going to know this part of me. That is a very huge part of who I am. But I'm just going to keep it to myself because it's worked so far. But then you're living a lie, right? Because you're not being true to yourself. Preach. <laughs> my I can so relate to everything that you just said. I feel like I have that conflict a lot when it comes to sharing my story and just feeling it's too heavy for people, mm-hmm. like feeling that almost like this judgment that, well, with a story that heavy or with a childhood that difficult or with a life lived in this way, like she can't have joy or love can't live in that space. And almost me holding back from sharing because I don't want people to think that I'm not a happy person or I'm not a joyful person or that that story just completely encompasses who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, you know, the difficulties and the sufferings of, of my childhood and all the, just the difficult things that we went through, you know, the Lord has made absolute miracles out of that. And, and, and so many fruits have come from such hard places. Um, and I want to share that aspect of it, but it is difficult to share stories that you feel like a lot of people don't have stepfathers who are in prison for a very long time. A lot of people didn't grow, you know, didn't spend their childhood in, in areas that might not have been safe and um, in situations that weren't safe. And so it almost feels like I'm going to totally overwhelm this person and they're going to be freaked out if I share any of this with them and they're not going to be able to hold it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of that just might be, you know, some of it might be pride. Some of it might be fear that I have all of those things. It's a messy, hard thing to share your story. Um, but, but yeah, I, I just, I, I just definitely relate to that and, and relate to, to holding back because you don't want, you want people to know you're more than what happened to you mm-hmm. and that people are more than what has happened to them or more than the things that they have done. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's difficult to, to convey that sometimes when your story is difficult. Right. And absolutely, we're more than what we've been through. I mean, here we are, right? And I think that is the beauty, beautiful part of the story. That's the restoration where now we can be empowered and we can help other people and we can try to heal while we try to heal ourselves. Like this, this hurt, the suffering that we've been through, whether it was, are you Filipino or Hawaiian? And you're like, I'm Mexican. But because I live in Vegas, it's such a melting pot. Like I don't always look, I guess, how a, a Mexican woman would look like. And so those are things that you carry and you're like, okay. And, and you just, you keep it in, in your heart, but then you're like, wait a minute, why, why am I being judged like this? I would never go out to someone and be like, okay, so what part of, um, you know, the South are you from? Like, you would never do that to someone, but for some reason it's okay for someone to do that to you, even though it's not. And so I think in, in, um, this restoration of, of healing and, and Liana, like what you were saying of holding back, then maybe that's always been where we've been called to, to work is, now not withholding what we've been through, but maybe teaching others as we learn ourselves, how to mend that, you know, how do I say politely, "Mm, you know, it's not really kind of you to ask me whether I'm Hawaiian or Filipino. Like there are other ways to ask someone about their identity and their ethnicity and in a beautiful loving way. And 
Um, you know, I think, and we're doing that now. So uh, maybe part of that withholding for us now is learning how to uh, reconcile those wounds in order to keep this conversation going and, and help showing others how you don't have to hold back anymore because the healing is, is beginning. It's begun and you're doing it now. I'm just so grateful to Jenna. I was reading all the questions in this talk about it PDF. This really, if people just got together with a few people, oh my gosh, what kind of fruit will come from these questions? I mean, they, they're deep questions and they're saying they're, they peel away those outer layers of surface identity mm -hmm. to, to who you are really inside and your history and your story and all of that matters. So thanks, Jenna. These questions are so good. Yeah. I feel like I like eight hours of talk easily. Okay. <laughs> they really are. And I just want to say that like as someone who I don't quite enjoy small talk, like I love to get to know the core of the person. I'm more than capable of doing a small talk, but like these questions really just kind of like extract like your story. And I, um, I do get exhausted sometimes when I go, well, kind of pre pre COVID, <laughs> like fellowship nights or what have you. And kind of like you said, Samantha, like this surface identity, I, this does not feel like surface identity. Like I feel like there is rest like in this space and it's just even, it's just through zoom. Like, wow, what could happen if we like gather, you know, and like really receive one another in body, mind, soul, like, and everything. <sighs> so good. Love it. You guys are amazing. Um, Rocio, do you have anything you'd like to add? I don't, I don't want to take it away if you have something to share. Oh, yes, one sec. I just have to switch my earphones back in. My phone is dying, so I'm in between oh, the charger sad. and earphones. <laughs> You know, the, the new iPhones, they don't have the, you know, you could put yeah. in the charger and your earphones, but whatever. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. They need to get with it. Um, I just wanted, I just wanted to share listening, listening to everyone's story. And thank you so much um, to all of you for, for sharing, you know, those struggles and um, yeah, just for different reasons, you know, it, it um, helps to open up my mind. I'm definitely, I think, on the other side of many of those stories, just because I was raised in, you know, uh, a home where my dad, I mean, both of my parents are, are Dominican, but my dad looks like a white man with green eyes. And my mom looks like she's from India. People often think, you know, she's from India um, because of the color of her skin and her dark hair, but both Dominican. And then all the kids were kind of in between those, um, you know, my dad, when we were growing up, if he walked with my brother, who's the darkest of us three, you know, it, he didn't look like he was my father's son, you know, he looked like he was somebody else's son. And, and so I'm sure there were thoughts about that and things like that. But in, in our home, we just never grew up. Not, not that I could remember. We never grew up with a sense of, you know, one being better than the other one skin color being better than the other. Um, and even in, feeling inferior and and I really just since we're since we're all women I just wanted to speak speak to the role that my mom played um with insecurity because I think as women I mean I was always very insecure just not about 
like the color of my skin or that I'm Dominican just in general right like oh I'm not as pretty as the other girls or or whatever but I just still remember my mom being such a powerhouse of confidence in in my my life growing up and I didn't realize how how much of that she passed on to me where you know I just didn't I didn't think twice I wanted to to just tell you something and I just told you when I told you and hello, like, I just wanted to talk to you. Sometimes I was too friendly and I always got in trouble for like talking to strangers, but whatever the point is that um, I I'm on the opposite end of that, where I just kind of never have to think in, in my head about these things, you know, like, can I share? Can I not share? And, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying this, you know, like, I'm so grateful that you all shared it. I'm just saying, from a place where I, I, that wasn't my experience, you know, where my experience has been. Um, I've just put myself out there and, and for the most part have been received in putting myself out there. And why I think that is, is because of the confidence that you as a woman give off the confidence that you as a woman carry and, and you as a mother that you can pass on to your child, that sense of, you know what, you're mixed or like I'm marrying a German man like from Germany so our children will be very mixed Dominican and German cultures are very like opposite (laughs) ends but I pray to know how to pass on to to my children if God gives us children that sense of that our deepest identity like you know everything about you is is so unique to you right like how you look and all these things yet that our deepest identity is that we are God's children and that that is my most precious treasure, that that is my gift to the world. And, and I'm sure you've all heard the story of, of Mother Teresa that she was walking on a plane and this guy, uh, she sat down next to this guy who was an atheist. They didn't really even have a conversation. Mother Teresa just gave him a, a rosary. But when he got home that day, he went up to his wife and he said, I met a daughter of God today. It wasn't, you know, I met Mother Teresa, like the one we see on TV and like the famous, I met God's daughter. I met God's daughter were his words. And just, you know, I heard that a few years ago and I just remember really being like touched by that because like that, if we walked in that confidence, if I walked in that confidence, um, things are different things are different because I, I own who I am. I own my story. I own those things about me that are not so exciting, that are not so beautiful, that are very different, but it's mine. It's, it's who I am. It's, it's Samantha, you unique. It's Kiki, you unrepeatable. It's you, Jenna. And like, this is, there's no one else like us in the whole world, even if they're Filipino or Dominican or mixed or, or whatever, like there's nobody else. And like, that's us. And like to walk in that and own that and, and not to take away from, from the suffering that we've all been through and the oppression um, that our communities have been through, but learning to walk, not in what man says of me, but what God, my father says of me. And how do I pass that on to the next generation. Yes, learning about our past, learning about the hurt that's that's in our history, but how do I birth this into the next generation, the confidence that like this this is who you are. This is your deepest identity. Like and 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 how how do I live in that, you know, in that in that confidence. So um anyway, I'm just saying this because 
I'm, I'm grateful to my mom who didn't necessarily say all these things, but I just never, if she was ever insecure, I never heard it. You know what I mean? She just tried speaking the language, even if it like didn't make sense, she was just like out there. And now, you know, she's, she's great at it. When I hear her speak English, sometimes I forget, you know, that she can speak English and I'm just like, you go mom, you know? (laughs) Um, But, but how do we, how do we own that? And, and like Mike, they was saying earlier as well, like, you know, heal, how do we own our story? Also let the Lord heal, but how do, how do I stand on that firm foundation of where God has brought me from and what he's done with my life? And, and that it's, it's a firm foundation, you know, that it's not anything to be ashamed of. And so that's, that's what I would say as an encouragement for myself, but also all of us and anyone listening and, and any young, like, girls listening you know to just own where you come from and it's beautiful and it's it's so intriguing to know that you're like from whatever place you are you know and yeah so that's what I would say thank you so much that was so beautiful that was I need to record that Uh, we'll probably put this on our podcast but um yeah that was so beautiful Rosia good word for me not just the young girls but yes for you too (laughs) Um, thank you all so much. You are just such a gift and this is beautiful. Um, I want to again, encourage you, uh, sweet listener, um, to just do this with your friend, one friend, two friends. Um, the questions are really awesome. We only touched on one. (laughs) The rest are even more pointed about, um, race, racial reconciliation, um, injustice that maybe you've experienced yourself. Um, so click over and download those and even just read them. If there's one that touches you and you think, oh, I'll keep that in my back pocket for when I'm ever with someone and we're having like a, a tender moment and I could vulnerably ask, could you share this with me? Um, cause that's what we're about. We want to keep being about, um, just going deep with each other continuing to walk towards the Lord together. Um, So thank each and every one of you for being with me. Thank all of you for listening um, to some of our stories as well. Uh, All right, I'll close us in prayer if that's okay. Oh, actually I'll open it up if any of you have last things to say and then we'll close us up. Um, I recently put my name on my Bible and I don't know, it's, been, it's so funny. So I, I have the Blessed Is She Bible, surprise, surprise. But it's like, I just, it was the Holy Bible, you know, it's like written by God, basically. And then I just put my name and it's like, this is God's story to me, to me. I am, I am his beloved. Um, and I don't know, it was just something about adding my own name to it. Yeah. It made it feel like it was meant for me. So if you didn't put your name on your Bible. <laughs> I love that. Okay, I'll close this up. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we come to you humbled and grateful for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for making each one of us in your divine image. 
for crafting us so perfectly, so beautifully. So uniquely, God. Thank you for this beautiful community of women. Lord, I ask that you would continue to open up our hearts to each other, that we would see you in each other. that each of our friendships, our relationships would bleed out into the greater church, into the greater world, God. Heal our land, but let it begin in us. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of today. I ask, Lord, for the grace to be poured out into each one of us, the grace of each moment to live in your love, in your mercy. Mother Mary, please pray for us. I ask that you would take all of the intentions deep within our hearts to your son's throne. Thank you for loving us so well. Thank you for showing us how to love your son. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ladies, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you, Jenna. I love Thank you guys. You. We'll talk so soon. Bye, beauties. Bye.